Hello and welcome to Family Room Discussions, where you invite me, Dalton Anderson, to your Come Follow Me study, and we discuss ideas, questions, and insights to the week's lesson. Let me be clear, I am not a church historian or a scripture scholar. I am your average saint trying to build my faith in Christ and deepen my testimony of the gospel and the scriptures, and I have found that by discussing Come Follow Me with others, it helps me to do just that. My sincere hope is that for those struggling to study Come Follow Me for whatever reason, maybe because you're single and you don't have others to study with, or like me, your kids are still too young to understand English, or really for any other reason, that you will allow me to join your family for about 30 minutes to help with that gospel dialogue. With that, let's start this family room discussion. Brothers and sisters, family and friends, this is episode 31, following along with lesson 30, Alma chapters 39 to 42. And before I get into the lesson, to my brother-in-law Chandler, congratulations. Uh, He got down on one knee and proposed to his girlfriend, now fiance, Avery, and she said yes. So congratulations, buddy. I am so excited for your guys' wedding. And uh, just excited for you guys in this time of life. It's awesome. And then I also want to give a congratulations to my cousin, McCray. He, uh, we were able to go attend him and his bride, Randy Lee's wedding over the weekend and was just super grateful to be able to attend that ceremony. So congratulations to you two and excited for your, your future together. And then some accountability things I did indeed this week. Think about the sacrament every single day. And my Sabbath day was filled with peace. Unfortunately, due to traveling, uh, we were unable to partake of the sacrament. So I wasn't, I'm unable to tell you if my expected uh, experiment actually was like it worked uh, where I just had this amazing sacrament experience because of that. But I'm going to do it again this week. And uh, I'll be able to t- hopefully tell you next week how it goes. Um, but like I said, I did, I like truly did have a very peaceful Sabbath day regardless. And I, I think it really was because I've been thinking about the sacrament every day. But, you know, just like any experiment, you got to keep, keep testing it out. And then also, not that I had ever said I would be accountable to any of you about this, but I wanted to share it all the same. So three weeks ago, I started exercising. Uh, something that I've been antagonistic to my pretty much my entire life. And uh, I've just been pondering about like the word of wisdom and how we I don't believe that we inherit celestial bodies without work. And uh, I think that if we want a celestial body, then we need to work for that in this life as well. And so with those thoughts in mind, I set this exercise routine for myself. And uh, this last week marked the third successful week of me keeping to that program. So I'm, I've just been feeling really good, been uh, trying to accomplish goals and just feel good all around. So I want to share that with you. And then um, one, oh yeah, that's right. And sorry, one last thing as I got lost in my thoughts. Uh, the other thing I want to do before I started this was explain one more time. Uh, we have some new listeners and welcome to this, uh, to my family room and thank you for inviting me to yours. But if you hadn't heard in previous episodes, I wanted to share why I do this podcast, kind of what my purpose was in, from the beginning, and uh, and I'll just sum it up really quick. At the beginning of this year, I had been thinking about ways that I could increase my testimony of Come Follow Me. Along with that, I'd also been thinking of ways that I could be creating so uh, creative content because that's what I want to be doing the rest of my life is creating content um, through whatever medium and figuring out what works for me and how to kind of help my audience. And so with all of these things floating in my mind, I thought, you know what, why not start a podcast and do it based off Come Follow Me? 
the other reason for that was that I had been talking to my friends, and, and I believe this is in the intro, I had been talking to my friends, and noticed that a lot of people have, have not been like studying Come Follow Me, at least not on a regular basis. They might look through the lesson or whatever, but it didn't seem like they were really catching on. When I talked to them about why, why not, for a lot of them it was that it was just difficult with their family circumstances, however their family uh, makeup was, whether they were single or had little kids or whatever. They were just having difficulties kind of applying this. And I thought about Lex and my, my experience, and we were experiencing those same difficulties, and I thought, well, what if I was able to, you know, bring myself into your family room or vice versa, and uh, we were able to discuss the lesson like that. Thus, the podcast was born. I've been doing it since the beginning of the year and have been learning a ton along the way. Now, the other piece about this is that when I started, I said I would love feedback from my listeners, from those that, you know, listen to this podcast if you get something out of it. Like, I love feedback and I love hearing from all of you. And uh, that that request has not changed or stopped. I truly do love hearing feedback. And also, if you give me feedback, um, I really do take it seriously. Now, it, it doesn't always get applied right away. For example, uh, my cousin Easton was listening um, and he had shared that, you know, he felt like if I had a good outro, it would help wrap up every episode in a clean, organized way. And I completely agree. took me 10 weeks to get something together. And, uh, and that was completely my fault. It's because I procrastinated and a bunch of other things. But, but I, like, I love that feedback. And it took me a while to apply it, but I did. Um, one that I have not applied yet, but that has been given to me by my brother, Army. Uh, he shared that I need to be able to... I, I should have specific a specific social media you know, page for my podcast. And I completely agree. Hopefully it doesn't take me 10 weeks to make something of that. Um, but like that's, it's, that is something that I want to apply. So if you have feedback that you think could help make this better, even if you're like, well, I don't know anything about podcasts. Hey, that's fine. Cause guess what? When I started, I had no idea what I was doing. And honestly, most days I'm still like, I don't know if I know what I'm doing. Um, but I keep getting good feedback. So I keep trying and practicing. And I think that's kind of the lesson here. Regardless, I want to hear from you and I want you to share whatever it is, even if it's critical. I'm a very open person. I really do love feedback and I love um, hearing how I can improve. So, you know, if you share it and then you're like, oh, he didn't do what I told him to do. Well, part of the problem is like change takes a little bit and, uh, you know, whatever. I got to get to it. But I, I truly do love that, that interaction and I love hearing. So if you've got something that you've been like, I need to share this with him and this will make it better. Even if you're like, oh, I'm not sure if it will, just do it anyway. Just talk to me about it. And as always, I do love hearing about what you're studying, what you're learning, what different thoughts you had from your lesson versus mine. I appreciate it and I love hearing it. And, uh, you know, it's funny because I actually got to put this into practice just over the weekend when we are down with some cousins. And so a bunch of cousins have gone back from missions. And so it, it just happened organically. And we... We were talking at the uh, at Tropic Reservoir, and all of a sudden turned into the gospel, and we had this amazing gospel conversation about, not specifically this lesson, but this lesson did get brought up, and it was just awesome. Like, I love nothing more than talking about the gospel and just getting into how it applies to our lives. Um, and obviously, like, to do that, you have to know kind of the circumstances of someone's life, right? So that's what I try to do with my podcast and, and whatever. So... Maybe that's all jumbled thoughts because it really is jumbled thoughts. But I hope if if you're a newer listener and you didn't know that, maybe that gives you some better context.
with all of that and without further ado, let's get into this lesson. So in the introduction, it says, when someone we love has made a serious mistake, it can be hard to know how to respond. Part of what makes Alma 39 to 42 so valuable is that it reveals how Alma, a disciple of Christ who once had his own grievous sins to repent of, handled such a situation. Alma's son, Corianton, had committed sexual sin. And Alma, as he often did, trusted the power of true doctrine to encourage repentance. And I want to stop there. Um, that is such a great example to remember as a parent, a teacher, a friend, whatever it be. Like, use true doctrine to discuss difficult topics. Don't, don't just use, I mean, obviously use your personal stories and your personal experiences. But like, if you can use true doctrine, that is the most, that is the single most important thing I think you can do in helping someone. And then if we don't know the answer to someone's like problems or questions, like we need to study it out. And if, if we have them ourselves, we should be studying those out. And so th that's, that's my thought there, but we'll come continue on. In these chapters, we observe, we observe Alma's boldness in condemning sin and his tenderness and love for Corianton, which I love that. Like it is possible to do both in uh so in my degree, I got a human development degree. And in one of my classes, we talk about the different parenting styles, right? And uh, one of them is called authoritative parenting. It's where you're able to have strong boundaries and show strong love. And that is what Alma's doing here. Um, also, fun fact, authoritative parenting has the best results for your children. Look it up. Continuing on, it says, And ultimately, we sense Alma's confidence that the Savior shall come to take away sins and declare glad tidings of salvation to those who repent. The fact that Corianton eventually returned to the work of the ministry can give us hope for forgiveness and redemption when we are troubled. Oh, excuse me. When we are troubled about our own sins or the sins of someone we love, and uh, to me, this is truly what gives me hope. That that last that last sentence there that gives me hope, and I think we need to cling to that hope. That I mean, Corianton was he did return to the ministry, right? And and it says that he can obviously he committed grievous sins, but he was forgiven, and I think. That's, I know for me, what I remind myself of constantly is that is the like grandeur of the atonement. No matter what we've done, uh, no matter where we are in our journey, by, by following after Christ and then seeking to use the power of the atonement in our lives, like we can become clean and worthy and, uh, and God will use us wherever we are as tools in his hands. And, and that's for me, that's where my greatest joy is found for sure. So in the first section, first chunk, sexual sin is an abomination in the sight of the Lord to impress upon his sons the seriousness of sexual sin. Alma taught that these things are an abomination in the sight of the Lord. Why is chastity important to you? Why is it important to the Lord? The following explanation from Elder Jeffrey R. Holland may be helpful. Um, so I'm, well, okay, I'll read this first. Uh, clearly among his greatest concerns regarding mor mortality are how one gets in, into this world and how one gets out of it. He has a very strict limits in these matters. Human intimacy is reserved for a married couple because it is the ultimate symbol of total union, a totality, a totality and a union ordained and defined by God. Marriage was intended to mean the complete merger of a man and a woman. I'm, I want to point this out real quick is that that is in every aspect, not just like physical, but like emotional and uh, spiritual and so on and so forth, like truly to me, like marriage really is the complete merger of the entire two people into one. Um, so going on, it says, this is a union of such completeness that we use the word seal to convey its eternal promise. So this is from the talk, Personal Purity. And if you have not read his, uh, I believe it's a BYU address that he gave, 
but it's called Of Souls, Symbols, and Sacraments. He gave this January 12th, 1988 to BYU. If you have not read that, that was like a life changer as a teenager for me. I read that talk. Um, my mom gave that talk to me, I believe, when I was 15, maybe 14. I was in middle school, I think. And that set the path for my understanding of like my body and why it's such a gift and to use it right and to learn how to use our bodies right. And like he just, man, I love Elder Holland and it's tough not to, you know, but he really does just teach doctrine in such a way that it is like compelling. You want, you want like you want to, to follow the commandments and, and keep them. Um, just because of the way that he teaches, he truly is like this amazing master teacher. Um, so I recommend that talk. If you have not, like, you can just Google it. Like I said, it's it's called Of Souls, Symbols, and Sacraments, January 12th, 1988. Uh, Brigham Young Address. Anyway, continue on. It says, consider the counsel Alma gave Corianton in Alma 39, 8, 8 to 15. How does it help you further understand the importance of the law of chastity and how to overcome temptation? Alma's teachings also demonstrate how eager the Lord is to forgive us when we repent and that there is hope for all of us. I highlighted that line because I just love that. As you read Alma 39 to 42 this week, look for evidence of God's mercy. How has God's mercy blessed you? So there are a couple verses that I want to go over that stuck out to me from 39. Um, you know, whether they answer any of those questions, I don't know. Mostly, I just love those verses, these specific verses in 39. So the first one is Alma 39 two. It says, For thou didst not give so much heed unto my words as did thy brother among the people of the Zoramites. Now, this is what I have against thee. Thou didst go on unto boasting in thy strength and thy wisdom. Okay, that right there, I stand condemned of that constantly as well. Like, I make that error just constantly, it feels like. Like, sometimes I'll just start boasting in my own strength and wisdom, and, and that leads me into crooked paths. And I think that happens to a lot of us as well. So don't boast of your own wisdom ever. If you find yourself doing that, immediately remember who it is that gave you that wisdom because I promise God will take it away if you use it in, in, like, in, inappropriately and ungratefully. Then in verse 4, it says, Yea, she did steal away the hearts of many, but this was no excuse for thee, my son. Thou shouldst have tended to the ministry wherewith thou was entrusted. I love that. Like Alma just gives Corianton no excuse. Um, he's like, yeah, Isabel was like very... Like a lot of guys lusted after her, but this was no excuse for you, right? Like he knew his son and I love how he kind of takes away any excuse Corianton has to not repent. Then in Alma 39 verse six, it says, for behold, if ye deny the Holy Ghost when it once had place in you and you know that ye deny it, behold, this is a sin which is unpardonable. Yea, and who, who, whosoever murdereth against the light and knowledge of God, it is not easy for him to obtain forgiveness. Yea, I say unto you, my son, that it is not easy for him to obtain a forgiveness. So I, this will sound funny. I've always read this verse in kind of a weird way. I always thought that he was talking about like, so first he says about the unpardonable sin, right? Don't deny the Holy Ghost. And then he goes on to say, if whosoever murdereth against the light, but I've always read it, whosoever murdereth, I, for whatever reason, I go, I skip against the light and knowledge of God. I just get rid of that in my head. And I say, it's, it is not easy for him to obtain forgiveness. And so for the longest time, I've always thought, so it is possible to be forgiven of murder. Um, it's just not easy. So I don't know if that's true or not, because that's not what this verse says. So if you've ever read it like I have, I, I want to point out what I realized for the first time ever through this verse, which is that it says, whosoever murdereth against the light and knowledge of God. 
So in this case, I believe what Alma's trying to say is the same sin that he had committed previous in his life, right? Which was he was leading a people astray and to go against the light of God uh, by sinning or, or whatnot. And so, you know, for him, it's, it is not easy for him to obtain forgiveness. Therefore, it is possible as Alma received, but it's not easy. And we know through his whole conversion story, it definitely was not easy. Uh, so just a, a thought there, like, like I said, I don't know how I've always skipped the against the light and knowledge of God, but I have. And then in verse seven, it says, and now my son, I would, I would to God that ye had not been guilty of so great a crime. I would not dwell upon your crimes to harrow up your soul if it were not for your own good. And I love, I love that, that he's like, I am not like throwing this in your face just for no reason. Like I, I would not dwell upon this if it weren't that what I'm about to teach you is for your own good. And I think that's also important as parents. Don't, I mean, this is something I'm going to have to remember as my kids get older, but don't hold your children to the, like, you know, since they committed forever, help teach them and instruct them in, in what's right and help point out the errors in their ways, but then move on. And I think also for us, just as a individual, same thing with our own sins, use your sins uh, to remember, to improve, to bring you to repentance, but don't dwell on them that they make you so depressed and, and kind of destroy you, right? Because that's what Satan would have. Uh, Satan's goal is obviously to destroy hope. And I think dwelling upon sins too long does exactly that. Then in the next chunk, so uh, Alma 40, 41, I will be resurrected and stand before God to be judged. When Alma noticed that Corianton had questions about the resurrection, he taught him about what happens after we die. What truths did Alma teach in, Al in chapters 40 to 41 that we that would have been helpful for Corianton and anybody who has sinned to understand. So I'm going to stop there because um, that's the part that was like that I want to answer here. So here's some verses. I got none in 40, but let me tell you, I got tons in 41. So first, 41 verse 3, and it is requisite with the justice of God that men should be judged according to their works. And if their works were good in this life and the, <laughs> wow, man just had a heart attack there. And the desires of their hearts were good they should also at the last day be restored unto that which is good. Uh, what stands out to me here is that we will indeed be judged of our works. So don't forget that. And then in Alma 41, 5 to 6, the one raised to happiness according to his desires of happiness or good according to his desires of good and the other evil according to his desires of evils. For as he has desired to do evil all the day long, even so shall he have his reward of evil when the night cometh. And so it is on the other hand, if he hath repented of his sins and desired righteousness until the end of his days, even so, he shall be rewarded unto righteousness. And I'm actually going to carry that on into verse 7 where it says, These are they that are redeemed of the Lord. Yea, these are they that are taken out, that are delivered from the endless night of darkness, and thus they stand or fall. For behold, they are their own judges, whether to do good or to do evil. Or do evil. And that right there, that they are their own judges is the key here. We are our own judges. The decisions we make on a day-to-day -day basis determine where we truly will feel comfortable in final judgment, whether it be celestial, terrestrial, or telestial. And just on an accountability level, I think that's a, a very important thing to remember. And then in verse 8, it says, Now the decrees of God are unalterable. Therefore, the way is prepared that whosoever will may walk therein and be saved. And I think that's that's in another important note. The decrees of God are unalterable. And to me, what that means is we don't tell God what to do or, you know, what, what to implement for his church. Um, God will tell his prophet and the apostles... And then we, it is up to us to receive that personal revelation on are those things that are being shared true or not.
And then if they are, that's on us to act on it. But we do not turn around and tell God, well, this needs to be done, or I think it would be best if this is done. I, I think it's, you know, we counsel, but we don't tell. Because um, I just think that's silly to tell an all-knowing being that you know better. And then in verse 10, uh, yeah. In verse 10, it says, Do not suppose, because it has been spoken concerning restoration, that ye shall be restored from sin to happiness. Behold, I say unto you, wickedness never was happiness. To me, that's my testimony that the wicked aren't happy, because it says so in the scriptures. Wicked people aren't happy people. In verse 13, O oh my son, this is not the case, but the meaning of the word restoration is to bring back again evil for evil, or carnal for carnal, or devilish for devilish, good for that which is good, righteous for that which is righteous, just for that which is just, merciful for that which is merciful. And uh, what I love from this verse is that like every decision we make in this life truly is determining our actual nature, like who we are. Um, so that's just something I was thinking about there. And then in verse 15, for that which ye do send out shall return unto you again and be restored. Therefore, the word restoration more fully condemneth that the sinner and justify him not at all. Is there a better definition for karma than that verse? Like, like seriously. Um, okay, so now moving forward. The next chunk, and this is, to me, if I could make the central point of this uh, discussion, it would be this one. I can seek answers to my gospel questions in faith. Sometimes we might think that prophets know the answer to every gospel question, but notice that throughout chapter 40, Alma had several unanswered questions about life after death. And it's so true. If you 40 was my favorite of the week's like reading because this to me is where Alma goes super philosophical. Um, like if you read it, it's like it's like having an awesome conversation with the prophet like in real time where he's like Okay, I don't know everything, but here's what I've been thinking about. What do you think? And it's like, well, gosh, you're closer to God than I am. You tell me. But like, here's some verses that stick out from this whole experience. In verse three, behold, he bringeth to pass the resurrection of the dead. But behold, my son, the resurrection is not yet. Now I unfold unto you a mystery. Nevertheless, there are many mysteries which are kept that no one knoweth them save God himself. But I show unto you one thing, which I have inquired diligently of God that I might know. And I love this. He's this verse is setting up the example of how to receive our own revelation. Like how we can learn about the mysteries of God. And this is Alma like setting the ground. He's like, so I don't know everything. All right. But I've inquired about this thing and I'm going to tell it to you, but just know there are a lot of mysteries and those mysteries lay with God. But here's one of them. You know, it's kind of like this cool, he's just like setting the groundwork here. So then in verse five, now, whatever, now, whether there shall be one time or a second time or a third time that men shall come forth from the dead, it mattereth not. For God knoweth all these things, and it sufficeth me to know that this is the case, that there is a time appointed that all shall rise from the dead. Now, this verse is funny to me because we now know through modern revelation and other additional revelation, right, that there are multiple resurrections. And we talk about the, you know, the Trump sounding first time, second time. So, you know, here he is, and he's like, now, I don't know, but whether it's, you know, one or whatever, but it suffices me to know that everyone will be resurrected. This, I, once again, is an important example that as we gain res revelation in, in our studies and our learning, you're not going to learn everything at once, and that is okay. And I think that's really important. I think too often we get too impatient. We're like, ah, like I want answers right now. Like I am having, I'm struggling with my faith, and I need answers to it right now or else I am leaving. I am sorry, but that is not how it works. Not even for the prophets. 
Um, it does come line upon line, precept upon precept. Like I've said, one of my biggest complaints is the fact that it does take so long to receive deep revelation and to learn these things. But that's also the journey, and that's part of the endure to the end part of the uh, of the gospel. And Alma right there says is saying it perfectly to me, right? Like like I said, we know now that we have answers to the questions that he was dealing with. But he's like, it sufficeth me to know that there will be a resurrection, that there is a time appointed where everyone shall rise. So, once again, I just love that. Okay, and then in verse 15, uh, he says, Now, there are some that have understood that this state of happiness and this state of misery and the state of misery of the soul before the resurrection was a first resurrection. Yea, I admit it may be termed a resurrection. Now, this is funny to me because he's, he's about to go and say like, well, now hold on. But he says, The raising of the spirit or the soul and their consignation to happiness or misery according to the words which have been spoken. And behold, and this is verse 16. Behold, again, it hath been spoken that there is a first resurrection, a resurrection of all those who have been or who are or who shall be down to the resurrection of Christ from the dead. Now, we do not suppose that this first resurrection, which is spoken of in, the, of the, in this manner, can be the resurrection of the souls and their consignation to happiness or misery. You cannot suppose that this is what it meaneth. So I'm reading all this because I love the way that he's talking. He's like, like his, you can see this pattern, like this, um, this journey, I guess, of faith and of gaining revelation and of gaining additional knowledge where he is he's clarifying definitions he's like okay now technically this is a, res a resurrection now however it's not the resurrection we're talking about so it's he's essentially saying like yeah i guess you could call it a resurrection but it's technically not a resurrection because the one we're talking about is one that's going to happen after christ comes and yada 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 and i just think i i don't know i love it like i don't know if you can i really do i love alma and the way that he is sharing this information with Corianton and it just it gets me so pumped and excited to like think of the gospel in this way that, that he doesn't know everything and he's acknowledging he doesn't know everything but then you're seeing how God is teaching him and teaching Corianton in the moment and how he's kind of helping Corianton like now I actually do know these things now but this was my journey so then the last verse I'll share here is is Alma 40 20 he says, now, my son, I do not say that the resurrection cometh at the resurrection of Christ, but behold, I give it as my opinion, and I love that, that the souls and the bodies are reunited of the righteous at the resurrection of Christ and his ascension into heaven. And we know now, because like through the scriptures and when Christ was, when Christ was resurrected, others were indeed resurrected. And so I love that he's like, I'm just giving this as my opinion. You know, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. doesn't matter. I don't know. But it's my opinion. And, and I love that. I just, gosh, I love Alma and I love Alma 40. I've never looked, I've never read this chapter this way, but going through and reading it for this lesson, I was like, man, this is awesome. So that's what I like. That to me is like one of the most important chunks from this lesson was that we can seek answers to our gospel questions in faith and that Alma shows the example of how to do it. It's line upon line, precept upon precept. So be patient and like, and, and recognize that answer. you have to believe that answers will come. If you don't believe answers will come, of course you're going through a faith crisis. You don't even believe you can get answers to your questions. So you have to start with that. Believe that you can indeed get answers to your questions. And here's, here's what I think. I believe that terrible mistakes and errors are made when we hand our accountability and our agency over to someone or something else. We have got to emphasize our own personal accountability to receive our own personal revelation. And this goes back once again to what President Nelson taught, which is that if we if we do not learn how to receive personal revelation on a day-to-day -day basis, then we will not survive the coming days. 
and and I've taken that very seriously. I really do. I I think too often we expect that the church needs to answer our questions, or the prophet needs to answer our question, or, or general conference, or whatever it is. And then we do not read our own scriptures. We don't get on our knees. We don't pray. And we don't go to church in faith expecting that when we're in our Sunday school lesson or sacrament meeting that we're not actually going to receive an answer from the, the Holy Ghost. We expect someone to get up from the pulpit and say it. Quit handing, quit to me, like what, what needs to be understood is quit handing off your personal revelation to someone else to give to you. Like this is something that as a teenager I had to learn how to do which was I needed to learn how to get answers for myself or else I wasn't going to survive. And that continues to be the case to this day. Let's move on to the next chunk. Alma 42, the atonement of Jesus Christ makes the plan of redemption possible. Corianton believed the punishment for sins was not fair, but Alma taught that there is a way to escape the state of, from the state of misery that sin puts us in. Repentance and faith in the atonement of Jesus Christ, which is both merciful and just. So here's some verses that I wanted to highlight. First one, Alma 42, 27. Okay. Therefore, O my son, whosoever will come may come and partake of the waters of life freely, and whosoever will not come the same is not compelled to come. But in the last day it shall be restored unto him according to his deeds. And I love that. Like, no one's forced. No one's forced into the gospel. No one's forced to listen. Uh, same for you as it is for me. Verse 29, And now, my son, I desire that you should let these things trouble you no more, and only let your sins trouble you with that trouble which shall bring you down unto repentance. We need to let our sins bring us down to repentance. Uh, don't let your sins weigh on you um, and then not change you, right? Like, and then, and then you do them again. That's missing the point. We are supposed to learn and to overcome our sins, and it's a process. It's not all done at once. Just like I, just like Revelation isn't done all at once. It's it's line upon line, precept upon precept. But the the quicker that we can be obedient and overcome our sins, like and God will help us every step of the way. I can promise that. But as we do that, then we will see further blessings, and we will receive further light and knowledge, and we will be further on our path to return back to the Lord. Let's jump into the next section, Ideas for Family Scripture Study and Family Home Evening. Uh, I'm going to focus on two chunks here, and that's it. First one, the Alma 39, 1-9. starts out, would your family benefit from discussion about the law of chastity? What sort of question is that? Of course. <laughs> of course they would. No, but here's what's important, I think, um, from that chunk and just that. I think, for whatever reason, I don't know where this came from or where it started, but I've seen a, a pattern and a trend in a lot of my, both with me and also with my friends and family and so on, is that talking about the law of chastity and specifically the details, right, of what that entails and and helping to educate our children has, for whatever reason, is looked at like a very uncomfortable thing. And I don't, it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. And I believe it, that we, I, I believe one of the reasons that um, sexual sin is so prevalent in our society now is because parents have become so uncomfortable and wanted to hand that responsibility of teaching that to their kids to the school system or to someone else's parents um, or to their friends or where, like, like I said, removing that teaching from the home and placing it somewhere else where it shouldn't be. And I believe that's extremely dangerous. So, yes, I, I think that's a, I mean, it's a, 
an obvious answer to that question, but I think take it seriously. Wherever you are, you need to have a talk with your family about the law of chastity. And, I mean, have an open conversation, not an awkward one. I, I think the way you get rid of that awkwardness is just by being straightforward and blunt. And and don't don't shy away from this, I guess, is what I would get at. Um, my kids are still too young, but Lex and I, even though we're married, we still are living the law of chastity, are we not? Like, the law of chastity is not a finish line a commandment. It's not like, oh, you just need to keep yourself uh, spiritually and, and physically worthy and clean until you get married and then everything's okay. Because I know plenty of married couples that don't live the law of chastity. And... I think that's one of those things that we look at it. Sometimes I think we teach it like a finish line commandment. and To me, that's extremely dangerous because then you get married and then it's like, wait a minute, there's temptation after marriage? Yeah, no, well, anyway. Yes, obviously, (laughs) yes. So, yeah, I think that's an important chunk. I'll leave it at that. The next chunk, Alma 39, this is the last chunk I want to talk about. Then we'll talk about a couple scriptures real quick. But Alma 39, 9 to 15, what do we learn from these verses about how to avoid sin? Uh, so in, in on 39, verse 11, suffer not yourself to be led away by any vain or foolish thing. Suffer not the devil to lead away your heart again after those wicked harlots. Behold, O my son, how great iniquity ye brought upon the Zoramites. For when they saw your conduct, they would not believe in my words. Our actions have consequences and this lesson was taught to me by uh, elder martin uh, aka cameron martin who was uh, my my special guest on what was it episode third 25 um when we were on our mission and as companions well actually we were in the same district at that point we weren't companions but regardless you know he shared this lesson about how when he started his mission and people were like you know you you affect other people. And he's like, no, everyone's faith is up to them. And then he realized as a missionary, that's exactly what we're doing. We were out there in the field to affect other people's faith. So if he was setting a bad example, then he was affecting people's faith for bad. And if he was setting a good example, he was affecting people's faith for good. So, so it's true. All right. Everyone is, it's like, they're going to be judged by their own actions, but don't forget that you and your conduct affect other people too. And, uh, and that's something I try to remember as, as well is like my actions have consequences on others. And while I don't, I'm not going to like go into this frenzy about every single thing I do that affects other people. I am going to be conscious and work and use the atonement and repent for every action uh, that I feel is out of, out of line and, uh, and try to do better and, and every day try to do better. And then verse 14 uh, it says, seek not after riches, nor the vain things of this world, for behold, you cannot carry them with you. And I link that verse. Um, wow, which verse did I link it to? My, my, my phone just went haywire. All right, I'll tell you in two seconds. Oh, I linked it to Jacob, Jacob 2.19. Excuse me, where it says, And after you have obtained a hope in Christ, you shall obtain riches if you seek them, and you will seek them for the intent to do good, to clothe the naked and to feed the hungry and to liberate the captive and minister the relief to the sick and the afflicted. So, yeah, seek after riches, but seek seek after them to do God's will kind of thing. 
is is how I link that. Um, you know, one thought while we're here, just randomly, is that I also, if you haven't noticed, I leave this podcast pretty raw. I, I could edit it down and get rid of every awkward blunder I have, but I personally enjoy listening to the podcasts that are kind of more raw like that. Um, I've had feedback that, you know, some of you would prefer that it would be edited, and I totally understand that. I just, it's my personal preference not to. Um, because I just like have, I like giving the raw Dalton. I'm not perfect. I'm not, I'm definitely not polished. That's for sure. And so that's just kind of the flavor I give, I suppose. Three verses stuck out to me from this lesson that were not covered, I felt like, from the specifics. So here we go. First one, Alma 39, verse 17. And now I will ease your mind somewhat on this subject. Behold, you marvel why these things should be known for so long beforehand. Talking about the coming of Christ. Behold, I say unto you, it is is not a soul at this time as precious unto God as a soul will be at the time of his coming. All souls are equally precious to God. Don't ever forget that. Alma 40, verse 8. Now, whether there is more than one time appointed for men to rise, it mattereth not. For all do not die at once, and this mattereth not. All is as one day with God, and time only is measured unto men. I just think this is an interesting discussion about the construct of time. So Einstein got it right when he said time is relative. But also, is time only a construct of man? I mean, we talk about how a day uh, a day for God is a thousand years for man. But is that just a way for us to help measure it? And uh, I could go on and on, but it really does to me open up like a philosophical window about time. And uh, it's, it's creation just by Alma's words, right? Finally, Alma 41, verse 1. And now, my son, I have somewhat to say concerning the restoration of which has been spoken. For behold, some have rested the scriptures and have gone far astray because of this thing. And I perceive that thy mind has been worried also concerning this thing. But behold, I will explain it unto thee. We cannot be guilty of resting the scriptures. There's been like three lessons at this point that have focused on this. It's important. Don't put away your scriptures. And if you are finding yourself having like doubts or a crisis of your faith, whatever, you have to ask yourself this question. Are you studying the scriptures every single day? And if not, let me tell you, start with that. Because I know for me, when I have doubts, I probably haven't been reading the scriptures. The moment I start, it doesn't get rid of my doubts, but it certainly brings the spirit to help answer those questions. And I get my answers a lot faster doing something than not reading my scriptures. So Start with that. Have you rested your scriptures? Don't be guilty of that. Well, that is all I had to share with you. So thank you for joining me in this family room discussion. And please share your ideas, questions, and insights that you gain from Alma 39 to 42 with me. But until, the, until we meet again, have a blessed week.